You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at hopeoakville.ca. Again, welcome to church, whether you're here, obviously, in person, or you're uh, watching online as well. Delighted to be with you today here at Hope Bible Church, and we're excited to see what God has for us today as well. Man, just different times, aren't they? Different times. Now I'm on the stage. How about that? We first started the first service in this building, first time ever. We started on the stage, and I had one service. I'm like, I don't like it. I want to be down with the people. But here we are in different times back up on the stage. But that's okay. We're doing it because we have to. We want to love our people and see how God is working amongst our people too. And actually, I want to highlight for you a very special couple in our church. I want to show a picture of Ralph and Gloria Morton. And they have been such dear, really saints and pillars of our church. In the very beginning, they were leaders of Calvary Baptist Church all the way back and from uh, Whole Bible Church from day one uh, back at the old building in 2003 and four. And just want you to know, over a month ago, I think it was um, the second week in July, July 12th maybe even, uh, Ralph turned 90, all right? So that's a huge deal. And they've been married over 60 years. This is such a great thing. And then, but on past Friday, Gloria turned 90 as well, okay? So let's pretend they're watching right now on live stream. Let's give it up for Ralph and Gloria, 90 years old. Bless you, bless you, bless you. That's so good. Both turning 90 in the span of a month or so and a marriage that's been such an example and testimony to a love for Jesus Christ. And we're so thankful for them. Ralph right now, again, in just some different issues going on there and health-wise. And so we're praying for them, but seeing saints live so well among us. And so we're so encouraged by that. So just before we get into um, our sermon now, I want to pray for us and ask the Lord to move through this uh, time as well. Um, Father, I pray right now, as I read, so um, challenged and encouraged 1 Samuel 3, 1 this week, and I pray your people would listen carefully too, where it said this, that the word of the Lord was rare in those days, and there was no frequent vision. The word of the Lord was rare in those days, and there was no frequent vision. Lord, it's, it's strange how I read that, and I realize it's a negative statement, but yet I get so encouraged Uh, My heart almost um, uh, lights up a bit. Why is that? Because conversely, where the word of the Lord is spoken and preached and lifted up, then the vision of the Lord will be seen and heard and received. That's what we need right now. Amen, church? That's, That's what we need. We need the voice of God. We need the word of God. We want so much the glory of God. And we pray desperately for the vision of God. Even today, right now through your text, may the vision of God just be disseminating through this place and every home listening right now. Yeah, Lord, stir up people, I pray, in such passion and affection and wake people up to see what life is really about again. Lord, these are opportune times and yet these are dangerous times as well. There can be sloth or there can be passion for Jesus Christ. There can be irreverence, or there can be a fear of the Lord. And I believe, Lord, the choice is ours, but we pray and beg you to do what only you can do now. So do it, Lord, do it. Make our time so efficient and productive and encouraging. Just have such a desire right now. You are reaching into uh, the families um, uh, that are watching right now, and you are stirring, and you are grabbing hearts today, I pray, God, with such unusual supernatural ability, and you will not let them stray or go because you love them so. This is what we need. We need you. Just as we sang, we need you. 
And so I pray, Lord, you will give such energy over every service today, and you will give such life change, because every life change is a life that results in a greater glory to Jesus Christ. That's the purpose of our lives. May it be so, we pray. We pray this in Jesus' name. If you agree, you can say amen. By the way, in this season of Mass and everything right now, and so obviously for a worship level, for a preaching level, like I'm used to, I'm nonverbal big time, and so I'm used to looking at faces and trying to see smile. I don't get as much of that, so you know, like this is good, or like you know, some kind of like uh, visual amen or something like that. Lots of time for sign language amen. All right, I'm open to that worship team. I mean, you want to be physically demonstrative right now. That's that's super helpful for us. Amen, worship team, wherever you are, they're here somewhere. All right, that's incredible. I encourage you to do that as we go through. So today we begin a two-week mini-series on Psalm 73. As you can see, the title is, It's the Thought That Counts. The Thought That Counts. Our tagline is this, Why the way we think impacts the way we live. Why the way we think impacts the way we live. What we learn from this powerful psalm is truly, it's the thought that counts. It's our thoughts Listen, it's our thoughts that will most likely determine our direction and our desires. So we are in an extremely important season right now. Um, we need to think about, again, and you, you, you have to listen carefully here. This is so vitally important. We have to think about how we're thinking. Um, there's this massive current right now. It is strong it is powerful, and it is also deceptive, ripping through our society. There's this massive current of thought, and so many people are just kind of, you know those strong currents, you kind of dip your foot, all of a sudden you just swept away in it? Like, that's what's happening. And they're just going off miles down the river and have no idea really where they're going and how they got there. You have to think about what we're thinking about. In our day right now, we're not only, we're not only being told what to think, we're being told how to think. And we have to think about, again, what we're thinking about and how we're thinking about this. It's so important to do this. So we're going to divide Psalm 73 into two sections where Asaph, who wrote this psalm, he's testifying to the battle of his own thought life. I just think Scripture's the best, man. Like God provides for us so many different settings, scenarios, and examples to help us enter in and be like, oh, and them, them too? Yes, them too. It helps us relate. Asaph is in a battle for his mind, which of course leads to a battle for his heart. So many of us right now, we are struggling in our hearts, probably because we are struggling in our minds. The two are always connected, and the mind, biblically, of course, is part of the entirety of the heart. The heart being the mind, the affections, and the will, biblically speaking. So many of you are watching right now, your heart is struggling because your thinking is maybe off base. we got to get our thinking on track with what God wants us to think. How do we do that? Well, this, the Bible. Asaph, the worship leader of King David. Cool. The worship leader of King David, he was a singer, a poet, a prophet. He was a gifted man filled with purpose. But here in Psalm 73, he's inspired with a wisdom psalm. A wisdom psalm so needed for us 
right now. He goes wayward in the, or at least he recalls how he went wayward in the first half. Then he returns to the Lord in the second half. And the key to his journey, as he outlines here, whether bad or good, is the pattern of his thoughts. Absolutely the way we think impacts the way we live. So why Psalm 73 right now? Because there are so many thoughts circling right now in our world, maybe more than ever. I read this week, there are 500 million tweets every single day. That's discouraging to me, man. There's 4 million hours of video uploaded to YouTube every day. 4 million hours a day. God help us. 43 billion messages, Facebook messages a day. Billion, I said, a day. That's, that's crazy. The way we choose to think will severely impact the way we choose to live. Let's take uh, maybe three of the biggest issues of our day right now. Big, biggest issues in the last couple of months. COVID, injustice, and equality. All massively important issues to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit cares deeply about the truth in each one of those uh, precious issues. Yet remember this, remember this, okay? The spirit of the age, at the same time, Satan, the spirit of the age is ferociously seeking to undermine and get into each of those issues to create division, distraction, despair, deception, and ultimately destruction. In each of those issues, the spirit of the age is seeking to do whatever he can to weave and to destroy. We have to think clearly. So that's why we start today in Psalm 73 with message number one. And the title for today's message is this. It's stinking thinking. The first half of this psalm is bad news. Okay? Asaph's recalling how he got into a very bad place. Again, it's going to end in a better sense here. But Asaph was trapped into some serious stinking thinking. Why? He wants us to know it because he wants to save us from it. Remember too, loved ones? Remember this too? This is why God brings us his word, to give us wisdom in this world. This is why messages like this come to us right now. God brings his word to us right now to give us wisdom in this world right now as well. Let me show you one slide. Again, the introduction today. There's so much, but I'm trying to lay the foundation to go forward. Romans 12, verse 2. Love this verse. Think how it sets up where we're going today. Do not be conformed to this world. Why? Because the world's stinking thinking. The ways of the world will lead you astray every time. It's stinking thinking. The ways of the world, the spirit of the age, the prince of the power of the air, guided by Satan, undermined by deception, the father of lies. But notice, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That's a cleansed mind. That's, that's a pure mind. That's the thinking Asaph ends up with. And then notice the result, that by testing and discernment, discernment's a huge theme next week in Psalm 73, Lord willing. What is the will of God, good, acceptable, and perfect? That's godly wisdom. So what's godly wisdom do? Avoid stinking thinking, pure, cleansed mind, and that results in the, this is what we're going for, godly wisdom. Again, 
all throughout Scripture here as well. So if your Bibles aren't open already, I trust they are here and at home. Hey, at home, don't you sit there and in your PJs not open your Bible. By the way, I strongly recommend don't watch church in your PJs, okay? Posture affects so much. Get up, sit up, sit up straight, get your Bible open, get ready. None of this pause and getting food from the fridge and toasting bagels in the meantime and topping up coffee. No, man, it's going for the Lord. Come on now, come on now. That's right, I'm coming for you at home right now. I'm coming for you at home, hey? We're all together in this. We're all together in this. Oh, That was not on my notes, by the way. All right, all right. So yeah. And the people here are clapping. So hey, let's all be convicted together at home and here at church. <laughs> oh, that's great. Anyways, okay. So Bible is open to Psalm 73. I want to read our passage and then we'll uh, jump in together. Uh, verse 1. Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. Okay, so Asaph is recalling where he's been. His conclusions, verse 1. He's going to end there again at the end of the psalm as well. He understands, man, God is good to Israel and those who are pure in heart. But notice verse 2, but, now he goes back and recalls his testimony. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They are... Not stricken like the rest of mankind, therefore pride is their necklace and violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out through fatness, their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice, loftily they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens and their tongues struts through the earth. He's on a roll here, right? Therefore his people turn back to them and find no fault in them and they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the most high? In other words, is God clueless? Behold, these are the wicked, always at ease, they increase in riches. Look what he says here. Look at his stinking thinking. All in vain have I kept my heart clean. It's all been useless. And washed my hands, and my holiness is, there's no point. Why? For all the day long I have been stricken. Woe is me, and rebuked every morning. If I had said I will speak thus, I would have betrayed. I would have discouraged the generation of, the, of your children. Then we see verse 16, there's a transition, but when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. When I tried to understand, when I tried to think about these things, it seemed to be wearisome in verse 17, until I went into the sanctuary of God. Notice, then I discerned their end. Here's how we're going to frame today, okay? Three signs of stinking thinking in my life. Three indicators of stinking thinking in my life. Number one, sign number one is this. I am distracted and therefore in danger of slipping. First sign of stinking thinking in my life, I am distracted by my thoughts and therefore in danger of slipping. Look back at verse one. God is good to Israel. He blesses those who are pure in heart. Verse 2, though. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. Why, Asaph? Why, man of God? Verse 3. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Okay, so this psalm's wonderfully helpful here. Asaph sharing his testimony. Verse 1, again, this will be his conclusion in the end. But there was a time when Asaph was deceived and therefore distracted from the perspective of verse 1. 
There was a time when his distraction, listen, left him in danger to personal devastation. That's verses 2 and 3. So right away, let's just stop here and let's apply this for a second. Notice, Asaph, godly, gifted, personal worship leader of King David. Yet here he is, testifying there are times in his life he had periods of distraction, deception, and danger. So that's profound to me. See, why is that profound to you, Rob? Because the Bible is showing us once again we all go through different seasons and periods. We have ups and we have downs. Here is Asaph, again, worship leader to the king, and he's testifying, I had some times in my life where I really went down spiritually. My thinking started stinking. It wasn't always good. It wasn't always easy. It wasn't always this this wonderful spiritual climbing the mountain. No, he had times where he almost stumbled and almost slipped to his own destruction. That should encourage us. We have different seasons we go through in this Christian life. It's why it's hard and narrow and there's suffering and there's temptation in it. Asaph's no exception. Be encouraged by that right now as well. But what he's saying is, when I got distracted in life, that's when I was really in danger of stumbling. I was distracted away from right thoughts of God, and that's when I almost fell to my own harm and my own destruction. This is what he's saying, and that's, that's the warning for us right now. What impacts me about verse 2, it says Asaph almost bit it. Twice he says he almost stumbled and slipped. Why? He's describing his inner battle. Um, there's a battle. He's, he's, he's tempted, loved ones, listen, he's tempted to doubt God's goodness. There's a battle of distraction with worldliness around him. And this left him in a vulnerable and insecure footing. Because that's what distractions and that's what the doubting of God's goodness does. We become to become vulnerable and insecure in our footing. And isn't the feeling of unsecure footing awful? I think we all know what that's like. Um, like. Like walking on some kind of like rickety bridge or some kind of, you know, kind of platform that the boards are shaking and you're like, whoa, I don't really like this. How about stepping onto a driveway of ice and you're just like, you know, like you're so, you just feel the insecurity how about hiking over a slippery rock and there might be a bit of an edge and you're like, whoa, this is, and you start to feel so nervous because you're sensing this is such insecure footing. How about, how about walking downstairs at your house and you step on a sock? I can neither confirm nor deny that happened to me, not my house more than once, all right? So yeah, all of a sudden you step on a sock and you slip and you start to fall down the stairs. That's an awful feeling. The distractions that get in our way sometimes that, Make us vulnerable. Real quick, I remember many, many years ago, I was at a golf course looking for an umbrella in the midst of rain. And I remember I was looking, hey, go get an umbrella in the back. I went to look at an umbrella. I did not see there's a whole uh, wooden staircase below me with concrete pad at the bottom. I literally went to reach for the thing, and I, <laughs> I went to step left, and there was no step. Or it was a step. It was about four feet away from me. And I literally did cartwheels down the wood stairs, landed on the concrete splat. Okay, if that happened to me now, I'd be in the hospital for eight months, okay? Back then, somehow, 29, whatever I was, I remember, somehow I landed on the ground. I was just like, what in the world? Got up and kind of brushed myself off. My friend was like, are you dead? And I'm like, I don't know. Anyways, distracted, and all of a sudden, you miss your footing, and you are in great danger. That's Asaph. Here he is. He's testifying. He says, you got to be careful, man. you got to be aware. But here's the question. How did he get to this point? 
How did he almost stumble? What was the cause? Let me put it formally, okay? Formally speaking, this is the cause of his almost stumbling. His thinking was stinking. Again, look at verse 3. Look at, look at, look at. He was distracted with envy. He was deceived by prosperity. You know how many lives are ruined by those two things? Do you know how many lives get off the track and path of following Jesus Christ with envy and then wanting prosperity? That's always stood out to me. The Pharisees. The two sins that are mentioned, there's others, but two sins that are blatantly mentioned of the Pharisees was they were envious of Jesus and their love of money. These group of men staring in the face of the Son of God, totally blind, because they wanted to be God in their envy, and they loved money so much, that was their ultimate motive of what they were doing and why they were doing it. Watch out, man, watch out, watch out. How many have stumbled because of envy and a desire for temporal earthly prosperity? Asaph's like, man, I was, I was, I was getting distracted. I was, I was off track. This spiritual man, deceived in mind, listen, deceived in mind, therefore misled in life. Notice this too, ready? Notice how his head led to his feet. What do you mean? In other words, how he thought led to how he lived. Specifically, his stinking thinking here in point number one. Let me just break it down for us so we can see in verses two and three. Asaph got into a very bad place. He doubted God's goodness. He's like, how come the wicked are being blessed? How come I think like the godly are being cursed? He started doubting God's goodness. Is that something that you've been susceptible to in recent months, weeks? Is God really in control? Is this thing really happening? How come things are? How do he was distracted by worldliness. I mean, this is, this, is, this is probably top three, if not the top reason so many Christians are so weak in our world today. They just flat out love this more than they love the Lord. So many stumble all the time right here. They slip and they fall because their eyes are off of Christ. They're just on all these things around them. And how about this envying wickedness? Of course, when you're like this, and you're probably going to end up there too. How come I don't have? How come I can't get? Because your value system has gone from treasures in heaven to treasures on earth. You're dead. It's over. That won't end well. See, these things in Asaph, that's an awesome recipe for slipping, stumbling, falling off the cliff. He's like, I almost did. I almost did. I almost did. Just take an inventory right now. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? People at home right now, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you? Yeah, I'm talking about Holy Spirit right now. I'm talking to all of us. Everyone here right now? Everyone watching right now, I mean, Holy Spirit, do it, do it. Take these and pull people back. Pull people, those right now watching, listening, you are sli- you're in the process of, and the Holy Spirit reaches his hand out and grabs you right now by his grace. Awesome. That's what he does. So kind. So amazing, so powerful. You know, I, uh, I was on a Zoom call with several pastoral colleagues this week within the GCC here in Ontario, and It's amazing to me, all of us are burdened on some level or another with the general opportunity for distraction and drift among God's people. We are in a season right now where it's just set up for the flesh like big time. When COVID started and this whole season and the different issues raised, that was a season people pressing in and shock and and just like, what is, you know, what's happening and just seemed to be the heightened and everyone's kind of, you know, uh, 
church and the Lord and the Word. And, but as time goes on now, this is a tremendous season for the flesh. If you want it to be. There's less accountability. I don't need to really go to church if I don't want to now. I just don't have to engage in the way I do. I'm getting checks from the government in some cases for just being at home in some cases. It's just, it's set up for the flesh of unusual opportunities for laziness, complacency, lethargy, slothfulness in some cases. If you want to take advantage of a fleshly opportunity, it's among us right now. And the way we have to battle this is to get our minds renewed on what life is actually about and the purpose we actually know we have in Jesus Christ. And that's where stinking thinking is so dangerous. But this is where a renewed mind, happening right now, I might add, is so powerful. Sign number one, I'm distracted in danger of slipping. By the way, if the Lord's speaking to you about these things, man, do, do not hesitate for one second. You run as fast as you can to Jesus you run to him, you confess, you repent, you just say, Lord, you've spoken to me today and I want to be safe in your arms. I want you to hold me so tight, Lord, because you, you are the rock. None of this sand stuff anymore, God. You're the rock. And I want to be on the rock. Sign number two from our text, that I have stinking thinking. Sign number two is that I have a preoccupation with the wicked. I have a preoccupation with the wicked. So what we have in verses 4 to 12 is Asaph is detailing with tremendous detail his observation and description of the wicked. What is behind Asaph's cry of injustice? Behind his cry of injustice is this. The godly should be blessed and the wicked should be cursed. God, why aren't you doing this? But listen, listen, ready, ready? That's not the way it works, is it, in this life? The wicked are not cursed and the godly are not, not in the terms that Asaph is describing. Well, what do we know? In terms of Asaph's observations, in our world right now, we see criminals who are incredibly rich. We see horrible people holding incredible power. We see the unregenerate worshipped in their arenas of incredible prosperity and prestige. We see blasphemers boasting in their self-glory, and seemingly nothing happens to them. I want you to notice here, Asaph's value system is temporarily out of whack. His value system seems to be on the temporal, earthly level. He's going to get there, though. He's going to get, he's going to switch to treasures in heaven at the end, and then all his satisfaction comes in the Lord. But he's not there right now. He's recalling when his thinking was stinking. So let's walk through here these verses, verse 4 to 12, just really quick. You can follow along with me. I will go fast. But notice what he says. So verse 4. The wicked seem to live such painless lives. How come they always seem to be healthy and strong? Verse 5. The wicked seem to have less trouble than the godly. They don't carry the same stresses. They're not plagued with the same problems. You know, I've, I've always thought life before Christ for me, life before Christ was easier. It just was. Now, you have to know, man, life after Christ is infinitely better. I mean, just infinitely. But if you look back, it was easier. I mean, all the things you think about, this battle against sin, caring about all these things in the Lord and holiness and godliness in the kingdom, I mean, just before Christ, it certainly was easier. As the Bible promises, is that life in Christ will be harder. Verse 6, the wicked are not punished, so their pride becomes their necklace. They love themselves, and this leads to violence against Others. Verse 7, 
The wicked are swimming in self-indulgence. They're in the pool of foolishness. Verses 8 and 9, their lips drip with corruption. They brazenly speak blasphemies against God with shameless irreverence. They place themselves above God, and they even see themselves as demigods. Verse 10, the wicked are followed, imitated, and lauded upon. How true is that? Then and now. Verse 11, the wicked say that God is dead. That God is asleep or he's blind. At the very least, God is clueless. And then in verse 12, we have the summary phrase regarding the wicked. All in vain, or sorry, behold, verse 12, behold, these are the wicked always at ease. They increase in riches. So what's happening here? What's, what's, what's Asaph doing? He's a very subtle and deceptive thought pattern. And really he's saying this, man, the world has it easy. The rich have it easy. They're fat and rich. They're, just, they're living the life. Look at those pagans. Always happy, easy, lavished in luxury, ever increasing. They don't have the worries that I carry. Now remember, Asaph's looking back upon his period of stinking thinking. And let's just, let's just notice how preoccupied Asaph is, better yet, if you look at verses 4, the detail he's expressing of the wicked around him, you could say it's not just preoccupation, it's obsession. Think of how much time in Asaph's thought life he has spent on comparing himself with the worldliness and the people around him. As you read through verses 4 to 12, you almost get anxious with him. You sense his frustration, if not his anger. He's angry. There's injustice here. How come the rich are prospering and I'm over here suffering? I think this is one of the bottom lines here for Asaph. He has been so preoccupied with the actions of the wicked, listen, 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 that he has lost sight and vision of his God. I'll say it again. Great danger for the church in our day right now. He has been so preoccupied with the actions of the wicked that it has caused him to lose sight and vision of his God. So this becomes a very important moment for us as a church right now. Question, where's your mind at right now? Where's your mind? How are you thinking? I personally cannot recall a time of more information, manipulation, and confusion. There is massive preoccupation all around us. Asaph's eyes were on the persecutors, the proud, the politicians, the prosperous, the pomp, and the powerful. You get the feeling that at this season of Asaph's life, every conversation he had, something like this would come up. Something of verses 4 and 12 would come up. Why? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What we fill our mind with will ultimately be what we talk about What we fill our mind with will ultimately be the fruit of our lives as well. The preoccupation with the wicked that is polluting his mind is therefore now hindering his heart. Let me ask you right now, with all this massive amounts of information, what's more prevalent in your life right now? These are are such an important question. Is the news more prevalent or the Bible more prevalent in your life right now? Just, just, Just answer honestly. What, what is taking up more of your thought life? Twitter or the New Testament? Facebook or the Word of God? 
Again, the news and the headlines, it's not wrong necessarily to watch the news, of course. Well, you can do that in a wrong way, that's for sure. You can become obsessed with it, and it becomes everything you think about and talk about. But is it, if, if we're filling our minds right now with all that information, and we are not cleansing it and renewing it with this, you're toast. Guaranteed toast. You're toast. You can't do it. You got to filter, 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 renew, cleanse, 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 renew, 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 renew. Truth, 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 truth. Where do we find truth? There's one source. It's the Word of God. Let me ask you, is there, is there a current preoccupation in your life right now that has resulted in some stinking thinking? For a lot of us right now, we got it. All right, Holy Spirit's like, yeah, you know, we've been knowing. Holy Spirit's like, we knew about this for a long time now, right? So we're just confirming this is the area, this is the topic, this is the subject right now. Too preoccupied, let's get back to the things of the Lord. Three signs of stinking thinking. Number one, I'm distracted in danger of slipping. Number two, I have a preoccupation with the wicked. That won't be helpful. Number three, I believe holiness is pointless. That's a huge indicator of stinking thinking. I believe holiness is pointless. Again, not good. Look at look at look at verse 13 with me now. Look at look at look at verse 13. So this is, this is where he ends up. All in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. So notice what happens when the mind gets corrupted. When the mind gets corrupted then, at this point it goes down a path where the Asaph says holiness is deemed as useless. See, his thoughts are obsessing on the wicked so much, he then begins to convince himself. He's like, well, what's the point of purity? It's not working anyways. I mean, I try to be pure before the Lord. I'm not blessed. All the wicked seem to be blessed. And I'm over here, and I'm suffering, and I have a hard life. And these are, what's the point? He says, all in vain have I kept myself clean. Really? Really? Can you, can you imagine getting to that? Well, of course we can, because it does happen to us as well. But what a, what a lie from hell, isn't it? The lie from hell that says holiness is useless. Purity, there is no point. When in reality, I read Romans 6 this morning in my readings. Romans 6 is describing in summary how sanctification is the ultimate goal of the Christian life for the glory of God. It's not vain. Holiness is everything we're created to be, to be transformed into the image of God. I read that this morning. Praise God for the timing. All in vain I've... No, 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 not in vain. There may be times you feel that in this moment, but the reality is, again, the holiness is the goal of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of our salvation. Jesus said in John 15, by your fruit you shall prove to be my disciples. Holiness is the proof we are alive in the Lord Jesus Christ. But, but stinking thinking takes you other places, man. Stinking thinking, he's like, no, nah, there's no point. Holiness, there's no point. I've tried, doesn't work. God doesn't see. Just again, again, it's the path. Some of you watching right now at home, some of us here right now, you, you've been on this path of stinking thinking. You may have not said it out loud like that in verse 13, but you've been, you've been saying very similar things or thinking them anyways. And just, I, I, would, I, would, I would just get, get your spiritual vehicle and I would just like stop and like back, back up, you know, and then go a different route, man, because that road's not leading you anywhere good. Look at verse 14. It just it, it starts to get worse. 
For all day long have I been stricken and rebuked every morning. So notice now, his stinking thinking has now moved to self-pity. And self-pity has now moved into hyperbole. He's hyperbolic. Woe is me. Life is so hard. I suffer so. Oh, it never ends. Notice, notice. All day long I'm stricken. I'm rebuked every morning. Is it, is it really that bad, Asaph? Well, it seems like it is when your mind starts going down the gutter. Now listen, no doubt the Christian life is difficult and promised pain, right? That's again reminding us what we are promised in the New Testament. But do you see how stinking thinking leads to despair? He's like, what's the point of my purity? My suffering, he's like, my suffering means my sanctification is in vain. And actually, loved ones, ready, ready? What does the New Testament tell us? The New Testament tells us that discipline and suffering is the proof, is the proof of our life in Jesus Christ. But his thinking, thinking is like, oh, I'm suffering, therefore it's all, it's all for naught, it's all pointless. Actually, suffering is promised in the Christian life. Again, it's part of the reality, Romans 5, that we are alive in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse 15, he says, If I had said I would speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. So to his credit, Asaph says, If I said these things out loud, my stinking thinking would become other people's stinking thinking. But in order that I don't betray your children, I have kept my voice quiet. I have, I have shut my mouth in this regard. Again, sometimes the only thing worse than your stinking thinking is when you pollute other people's lives, pollute other people's lives with your stinking thinking. Don't do that, man. Don't do that. Don't do that. There are many times in life just a femme to bouche. Just like keep, keep the mouth shut, man, because you know whatever you're about to say, it's just like your verbiage might as well be vomit. You know what I'm saying? There's times in life where we get to those points. And at that point, it's just the the discipline of like, you know? Put your mask on and somehow zip up your lips at the same time, right? And, and Asaph's like, he's like, yeah, man, if I would have said things out loud, that would have. So, so he's in a bad spot. Listen, listen, he's in a bad spot, and he knew he needed help. Maybe you're here today, you're watching online right now, you're here in this place right now, you know you're in a bad spot, and you need help too. Well, if you want help, you got to come back next week, Okay? Actually, actually, because he is going to turn the corner, and then, oh, I'm excited about next week already. I'm, I'm jacked about it already. But listen, let me give you a bit of a preview, okay? Look at, look, at, look at verse 16 and 17, okay? So he's given his testimony of his stinking thinking, his, his negative mindset, his, his just pollution of his ideas of God and holiness. And he says in verse, six, or verse 16, but when I thought... How to understand this, it seemed to me, he's like, I'm so tired even thinking about how to think about it. It seemed to me a wearisome task. He's like, oh, I'm exhausted to try to understand why all these things are happening in my life and why my mind's so up. But then verse 17, until, 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 until I went into the sanctuary of God. The sanctuary, I, I, I love this verse is here right now for us. The sanctuary of God in New Testament terms is the church. Of course, it's the temple in the Old Testament, but it's the church. 
until I went into the house of God, until I was with the people of God, until I was under the word of God, until I was in the worship of the Son of God, until I was held accountable and encouraged and blessed by the very place and people I know I need to be with, until I went into the sanctuary of God with the wisdom of God and the glory of God and the purity of God and the songs of God and the truth of God and again the people of God and the accountability of God and again the wisdom and mind-renewing clarity of God, it is here that I discerned their end and the true reality of all the things that have made me so anxious all these weeks and months previously. Let me just say this, man, and I'm going to be saying a lot of this in the weeks to come, Lord willing, whatever, again, everyone here, those who are watching right now, whatever you do, wherever you are right now, take steps to get closer to the church of God. If it's, if it's virtually, do it. If it's, if it's physical, do it. Take steps towards the Lord. This psalm is going to end, it is good to be near God. Those who are apart from God, destruction and hell. That's what it's going to say next week. But those who are near God are those who are alive in God. And the single greatest instrument and organization to draw near God is the church of God. Let me say it again. Whatever you do in the weeks and days to come and all these lies that are out there right now, just take steps towards the pursuit and the closeness of God and his people in some form, in some way. Do not miss that. You will be so blessed by it. This is what Asaph's going to do. And listen, as he does it, his stinking thinking is destroyed. When he enters into the sanctuary of God, I, I, lo I love when we're living out what's happening in the Bible. Like right now, today, right now, in this room, right now, there's much stinking thinking being destroyed as you entered the sanctuary of God. I know we're the sanctuary. The people of God, this building's not it. But you come together with God's people and stinking thinking is being destroyed right now by God's word and God's spirit and his truth and his wisdom and his songs. That's why we need each other. That's why we need this right now. That's why this pulpit's so important. That's what's happening right now. And I have every right to be excited about it. Because you want to see people go from straying off into the ditch to getting back where they need to be. And that's part of everything we're called to do. Come back, come back, be focused, be focused, live with purpose. And trust me, you know what? I need this message as much as anyone, praise the Lord. Because I suffer the same temptations you do. Want to clap, let's clap. I like clapping in church. Yay! You can always clap at home too. It's always great. Do it. Join us there. So this is so powerful. This is where we're going next week. Oh, you're showing up next week, man. I, I pray you are. Because it's going to be so great, man, when he starts to unpack this and starts to discern the reality of what's there. So, so listen, let me end here. The answer to everything, everything in life, the answer to all that we're talking about is Jesus Christ. I am, I am distracted and in danger of slipping. Well, let me, let me give you the answer to that scenario. Jesus is the rock. You stand on Jesus, you're not slipping. You have an eternal foundation, a house built on the rock, not on sand. You have a preoccupation with the wicked right now. It is distracting you. The worldliness is killing you. Jesus says, why do you hunger for that which cannot satisfy? Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. 
No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus says, I am the satisfaction. I am the purpose and meaning and joy and fulfillment. And some of you watching right now, you're longing for this. You have not had it. Jesus Christ is your answer. Jesus Christ, the way to heaven, the truth of this life, and life itself is only found in Jesus Christ through his death, his resurrection, and the life that he lived. Some of you right now might be tempted to say, holiness is pointless. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And the greatest signs that we actually love the Lord Jesus Christ is holiness. It's holiness. The answer to everything is Jesus. So maybe you're like me today, man, and you say, you know what, Lord, this is a restart. This is a refresh. This is a renewal right now. I'm putting all my idols down. I'm going to confess, Lord, I'm returning to you. I want to just get my mind clean right now today, Lord, where I am. You're meeting me at my home right now, Lord. This, this, this message, this time, this moment, it's me. God, you have drawn me to this place right now, and I want to just surrender. I just want to surrender, Lord. And enough of me, enough of the world, Jesus, all for Jesus. All my hopes, all my ambitions, all my plans. Right now, Lord, it's, it's you and only you. Worship team, you can come out right now if you're listening. And let's just prepare ourselves, loved ones. I'm just so thankful for God's word. Let's just pray. And we're going to sing this song. And I pray it be such a song of receptivity among God's people. I pray there would be uh, such a desire to just say these words and have hearts turned over. And to have such authentic responses here right now too. Lord, would you, would you be doing that? And maybe just as we are about to sing this, what do you want to say to your God based on his words so far today? What do you want to say? What do you need to say to your God right now? You take some moments right now and you, oh yeah, I, I, do, I do. Lord, may it be a time of renewal and restart and refresh. I pray for many of us, Lord, there's been a sense of just, yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is, you're speaking right to me, Lord, and I pray I will not miss this. I will, you're the answer. You're the answer, Jesus. So I pray you will use this song powerfully in each of our lives as an expression and a prayer of all that you want to do. May it be so. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.